0: Mobile network is the bomb The cutting edge of geekdom Comics, advice, D&D Movies, video games, RPGs Finding it's easy, just stay calm
1: So, The Tome Show is brought to you by Continue Magazine, a quarterly magazine for gamers of all types, Noble Knight Games, where out of print is available again, and listeners like you. Thanks for using The Tome's Amazon store.
2: Hi, this is Stan, the guy with a big ol' exclamation point. You know what that means. And you are listening to The Tome. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host,
0: Jeff Griner.
1: And I'm Tracy Hurley. In this episode, number 206, we're going to kick it old school with a grognar genius from way back. It's the wonderful wizard of D&D, the man with no last name, and an exclamation point to get you in the mood. It's Stan! Welcome to the show.
2: Wow, that's the best introduction I've ever had. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome. Uh, So you're going to be talking to us today about bringing an old school feel to your current D&D
2: uh sure yeah that's what i'm gonna talk
0: about all right before we get too far uh, though we need to thank our first sponsor of the episode continue magazine a quarterly magazine about all facets of gaming they've even taken a look back at some of the old traditions of gaming recently in issues two and three so if you're interested in the discussion here today you might might find a few articles over there that you like uh just be sure to let them know that the tome show sent you
2: For entire generations of people now, gaming is as much a part of the fabric of their reality as television, films, books, music, and any other form of entertainment medium. Continue is a magazine for the gaming community, the global gaming community. Not just video and computer games, but board games, card games, role-playing games, alternate reality games, and anything that falls into the category of humans engaging to have fun. A celebration of gaming. Everything we love about this mad entertainment sector. Continue Magazine at www.continuemag.com.
0: And now it's time to get to, uh, get to know Stan. Understand his credentials, see where he's coming from, peruse his D&D resume, and see what he, if he's up to snuff. Everybody better take notes. It's going to be a quiz later.
2: I don't know that I could pass that. <laughs> First up who is yes. stan i'm just this guy you know <laughs> uh, uh so stan is uh I, i'm a writer game designer cartoonist and uh, uh, raconteur par excellence uh i've been uh, i've been working in the game industry off and on uh mostly on uh since uh, the early 90s before that i was doing some some freelance uh back as far as 82. so uh that that mostly was cartooning though uh i've uh, been a, a uh, an art director assistant art director at west end games an editor at tsr a creative director at wizards of the coast um and lots of other things in between i've i've uh, designed two products that were nominated for uh game of the year f- at in the origins awards i didn't didn't win but you know that's okay it's an it's an honor just to be nominated and um i actually one of the things i'm proudest of is i've had uh, i've had nominations in all the disciplines that i work in i've had my fiction my game design and my cartoons nominated for awards so that tells me i'm doing something mostly right
1: nice uh, and this is the, my favorite question to ask our, our guests is, uh, how did you first get into D&D?
2: How did I first get into D&D?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, wow. Uh, uh, very slowly. <laughs> I, I heard about D&D when it first started making a, a national kind of splash in 1978 or so. Uh, but I couldn't find anyone that played. And um, one summer at uh, at summer camp, one of the other nerds in in the bunk actually had some D anD D, so I got to play a little bit, and then uh, spent the next two or three years finding anyone that would want to want to play with me at home. It was very sad, um, but uh, but yeah, I I uh, I kind of came in sideways. I wanted to really be into D anD D. I never could actually manage it quite as much as I. I wanted it, and uh maybe that worked out for me in the end. I had to think about it more
0: and I like how you uh described it as uh he had some d and d as like somebody has some co- coca-cola or has some cocaine
2: right well, at summer camp,
0: that's what it's like <laughs> he he uh snuck some in
2: it's <laughs> well, you know no one knew it it was books what what could possibly be wrong with the books right. and, you know, well, we were just the nerds sitting in the corner, right? As long as it wasn't church camp. <laughs> no, no, not okay. church camp. <laughs> church camp in the 80s, that could
0: have been dangerous. <laughs>
2: uh yeah, no, it was uh, just a kind of an all-purpose, you know, right on summer sports and and get get the kids out of the house camp.
0: Very good. Uh, so then you actually you you said you freelanced for some time uh, in D anD D and in other places, and you've worked pretty steadily in the game industry. Uh, how did you first get into working? You know,
2: D anD D being being a job, being a, a form of payment. Um, well, so I had a, at friends. I was uh, uh, living in Binghamton, New York, uh, where I'd gone to uh, university. And I had a, a one of my friends who had worked at the local game and comic store. Uh, this is a guy named Ed Stark, who uh, wound up getting a job at West End Games. which It turns out was only about an hour away from from Binghamton. And so he came back and told us all that there was work to be done if we were willing to to do it. He knew that you know, I had a uh, he knew I was a gamer and he knew that I had a writing background. And he came came to everyone and, and gave us the opportunity to participate and a whole bunch of us did there's a lot of a lot of people from that group had one or two things published but most of them decided it was more work than they wanted to put in and i was a glutton for punishment
1: <laughs> nice uh and by glutton for punishment you mean not only in writing and stuff but as you were mentioning earlier you do many different disciplines you do the art you do writing you do design and editing too uh yes,
2: yes. I do uh, I do editing. I have also done. I say graphic design. the The first uh, first full time job I had was a, a, it was a title was a as assistant art director. But mostly what I was doing was graphic design and
1: layout. Nice,
0: very good. Now, so you've you've had this this wide resume of things that you've done. Um, if you were to define it for yourself, what one are you? Are you an artist who sometimes writes, or you a writer who sometimes does art? Are you an editor at heart? What, what is Stan really? No
2: way! <laughs> that question—it's um, so—it's really hard. I, you know, if I have to pick one, I just pick that I'm a storyteller. Okay. Um, and these are just different media that I like to work in. All right. I'll let it pass. I, 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 I back that. <laughs> I because. Uh, the thing I do most is is probably uh, game design. Uh the thing I like best is cartooning um but I, I don't uh, I don't get to do that as much. Mm-hmm. Uh and um yeah. So we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. The thing that I'm I'm working on most these days is writing is fiction. So uh, I, I'm all over the place uh, you can't pin me in man I'm a mystery I have to be unwrapped like, like a present or an onion depending on how much you like me
1: <laughs> like a blanket fort <laughs> so uh, so what are you working on these days
2: uh, well right now I just started a uh, kickstarter for, uh, uh, to, to get uh, a uh, holiday uh, holiday tale of the Cthulhu mythos called The Littlest Shuggeth, um published uh, we actually published it with Super Genius Games uh, a couple of years ago but it was a very short run so now I'm trying to get it funded so I can, can get it done in a, a, a more um, more far-reaching edition <laughs> which is kind of scary when you think about the mythos. Um, <laughs> so I'm doing I'm doing that. That just started this week, and it's kind of eating uh, eating my brain. Uh, but the other thing I'm working on is uh, with Super Genius Games, which uh, I'm one of the the founders and co owners. Uh, I'm getting ready to start uh, taking Super Genius Games into the land of fiction publishing. Oh, nice. Uh, so that's still in the relatively early stage, uh, but uh, I'm hoping that sometime in the first half of next year, we'll we'll not only make announcements but start publishing some fiction.
1: Well, that would be awesome.
2: Is Owen I think so too?
1: And Owen's excited about that too.
2: Owen is certainly excited about that. Yay! Um, yeah, no, it should be should be good. I, I, uh, I, you'll have to have me back on when we're closer. Down the line, and I can actually talk about stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, um, this is something that I've wanted to do for a couple of years, and uh, reality got in the way a few times. And now I've decided that, uh, you know, forget reality. I'm just going for it. Okay.
1: Awesome. Cool.
0: Might be a good fit for the book club if there's a a hole to squeeze something into. Yeah. Sure. All right. Well, I I have one more. You you tell me
2: what your holes are, and I'll do the squeeze. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I thought about that, and then I tried to move past it. Never mind.
2: <laughs> I went straight for it. Yeah,
0: I, I appreciate you going straight for my holes. I don't. <laughs> I don't like it when people come at my holes sideways. Um, that we're gonna get in trouble now. Darn it! <laughs> uh, I have one very, very important question. That I one more important question I want to ask. Yes. Stan! Exclamation point. That's Indeed. it. What's up with the name?
2: Oh, okay. So it's because that wasn't a question until you said that. (laughs) Right. Um, Do you want the long version or the short version?
0: I want the one to five minute version.
2: All right. Uh, So um, my actual name, as anyone who's kind of followed the the track of just my bibliography can tell you, is actually Stephen Brown. And... uh, there was someone else in the industry named Steven Brown. And uh, so I needed another name because uh, even though I was working at TSR, they started sending some of my checks to this other guy. Uh, And uh, Stan was a nickname that I had back from college, Uh, but it was always, it always just stood on its own and I didn't want it to, uh, to just kind of, I didn't want it to, to be anything else. Everyone called me Stan, but it was always just, just Stan. But if you do that, it looks—it's such a short little name. It, it really looks like you've left something out. It looks like it's a mistake, and so I needed to add something to it to let you know that no, we're through here. That's you know, it's it's done. Stop looking for more. Move along. And the exclamation point just worked perfectly. Beautiful,
1: awesome,
2: Tracy. Any last
1: questions? Not right now.
2: On the other hand, if you if you do have more time, get me at a convention or something. I'll tell you the long version of the story, and it's much funnier.
1: I, I've heard the long version.
2: <laughs> we
0: might have to uh, get him on as a future guest for Gamer to Gamer or something, and then you can tell the whole thing.
1: Oh yeah, well Stan's got lots of stories. I
2: can imagine. <laughs> I'm a storytelling fool.
1: Yeah, we oh. had story time with Stan at uh, AFK Tavern. <laughs>
2: Woo, yeah, I'm not going to live that night
1: down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we're about to get into some more advice on how you can make your current D&D game feel more old school. But first we need to thank our sponsor, Noble Knight Games. It's a great little store with an online wing that specializes in finding old and out of print, but also has all your new gaming books too. Perfect match for our conversation today. Uh, Stan, we're going to run an experiment. If you were to suggest one old school product to help people capture that feel, uh, what would you pick?
2: I would say to go get the old D and D rules cyclopedia. Do, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that?
1: I, I do. Yeah.
2: Yes,
0: right. and I am lo- searching right now to see if Noble Knight has it.
2: And wh- how it's, many? Uh, and how, how
0: many arms and legs you'd have to pay for it?
2: You know I would bet not many it's surprisingly not popular it it didn't have a lot of uh, it didn't get a lot of, of traction at the time uh, and so a lot of there aren't a lot of people who remember what an awesome product that was uh, mainly because it when it came out there were still D and D and a a D and d and D just was uh, got the cold shoulder from the fan base and the rule cyclopedia is a collection of all the rules for playing basic d and um, and no one wanted to do that. However, looking back at it now, and you're looking for just one product, it's it's got everything from all of the the old uh, basic d box sets uh, and all the rules. You just pick it up, and you've you've got the whole thing in one uh, very nice package.
0: Awesome and. Rule Cyclopedia, $73.80, 304 pages in in good or very good condition at $73.80, which is $8.20 off of the regular price. In stock right now. So everybody go get it.
2: Noble Knight Games has been serving the needs of thousands of gamers worldwide since 1997 huge selection of over 30,000 unique products, including discounts on most in-print games of up to 50% off or more. Noble Knight Games is the place for out-of-print RPGs, board games, war games, collectible card games, miniatures, and all things game-related. They ship worldwide and will purchase or trade your titles you no longer need, new, or used. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Just visit
0: www.noblenight.com. Or visit our website for direct access to
2: thousands of new, out-of-print, and in some cases, one-of-a-kind items.
0: And we're back, and now it's time to talk about Kicking It Old School with Stan. I kind of feel like we should, that that should be like a whole thing. Hey, Stan, do you want to start a podcast on the feed called Kicking It Old School with Stan? Because that would be awesome. Kicking It
2: Old School with Stan? Maybe... I am old enough to do that.
0: Maybe it would just be you uh, telling the old school grognard stories of your gaming
2: uh, career. Because, yes, everyone would tune in for that. I would. As as we've heard. I know Tracy would.
0: As we've heard, you've apparently got great stories to tell. (laughs) We'll we'll talk. I'm sure you have lots of free time for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, So one of the things we've we've kind of noticed with a lot of the D&D Next discussion is that it seems to be focused on capturing what made d d great back in the day, or whenever people uh, started playing, or whatever their version of great is. Uh, but also using some modern game design philosophies. So we thought it'd be a good time to uh, chat a bit with you about that, and uh, what it would mean to make your new school game feel more old school. So I guess the first thing we would want to talk about is, what exactly would old school be?
2: Because... Um, <laughs> That's, that's not a little question no, I it's know not. I think I think it's it's funny because old school uh, is it, one of those terms that gets thrown around a lot and I think means different things to different people and and that causes a lot of the um, a lot of the, the the arguments I hear sometimes just kind of talking about that's not old school and really it's it's what what do you want out of your old school right um, so for, for me, looking at, at what is compromised uh, by most of the the uh, uh, what I've seen of the of the old school movement games, and uh, having just actually very recently gone back and played uh, for about the, a month and a half or so out of the rule cyclopedia that we were just talking about, um, it seems to me that a lot of what old school is uh, is leaving room for both the the players and particularly the dm to uh to develop and interpret the rules Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a a a complete package in that you can you've got enough to start
1: right
2: but that it doesn't it doesn't seek to answer every rule and in fact uh one of the things that that uh, i hear people talk about in a much more positive light than any game designer I've ever talked to has is the the fact that sometimes you'll have different rules for the same thing, and they'll be situational. Uh, so, and one of the, when we got to, when we started working on third edition, one of the big things that people looked at second edition to say a, as a problem, and one of the things that a lot of of effort was taken to to cover was that 2nd edition, if you went through the books, you could probably find six different rules for drowning. <laughs> that sounds about right. Sometimes there were two published in the same month.
1: Right. And I feel sometimes like that's... And I don't know, because I wasn't around in the game at the time, but I, felt, I feel like sometimes it's good because then the group picks which one works best for them and their right. method of playing.
2: Right, and that that's one of the things I think that that people in, uh, that some people involved in the old school movement like a lot is that, that there's that uh, that flexibility. Right. Uh, and sometimes there's just not a rule at all. In fact, the reason that there kept being new r- drowning rules invented was that there weren't any in the core rules. And if you didn't happen to remember where this, the rules you liked sat, you just made up new ones. Right. Although I feel like th- there's... A
0: difference between the way companies are approaching old school today and the way it, it happened organically at the time. And that at the time, it happened as an accident. You know, right. it, it was they had an incomplete concept and, and, and published what they had, but didn't have something for all those little things that, that were going to come up. Right. Um, and so they just sort of ad hoc made some stuff up in, on the go whereas yeah. whereas now i feel like they're very deliberately taking an approach where they're saying okay where can we leave things vague but still have a complete game
1: well and and part of the problem is the the customer base itself has changed because like when the game first came out there wouldn't necessarily be an expectation to have all the rules because this was a new thing, right? Like right. You were
2: making it up as you went along. You can't yeah.
1: expect what you don't know to what to expect. Right. Uh, but now you have some of the base that wants all rules and then other parts of the base that really like picking and choosing or creating their own and having their own room to be their own designer while not having to design the parts that they don't care about or, or, or aren't as, aren't as um, I don't know, enticing to them to, mm-hmm. to, to spend their time on.
0: Which I suppose, which I suppose, is the whole point of the modularity and optional system that they're talking about for Next, right? Is that if you make if you have a rule for everything, but make every rule make all those rules optional, then you can sort of pick and choose and build it the way you want, or you can leave it vague and, and run it at the table, you know?
2: Yes. Okay. <laughs> Actually, you know, when when we get to talking about Next, we run into an area that I'm. Uh, right. I just uh, about four weeks ago finished. Uh, contract with Wizard of the Coast. I've been there for a year, and so that there are a lot of things that fall under non-disclosure for me that sure. I I can't sure. talk about about things I I know uh, about what's being done on uh, with Next or or uh, you know um, yeah. design uh, goals and right. such. Although
0: that, although that sort of brings up uh, my next question, which was I, I, and I, and maybe maybe the fact that they're approaching things that things are approached differently in the in the current old school movement um than they were at the time sort of addresses this that is old school always better or is it sometimes just older you know <laughs> have have we learned and and do we want to try to capture what what we really liked about old school gaming without necessarily also capturing the mistakes of old school gaming or are the mistakes part of old school gaming
2: yeah, you know, so when we were playing in uh, with the the group that I was playing with uh, using this rule cyclopedia, uh, included uh, i'm gonna, sorry, I'm, I'm gonna start name dropping. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, Steve winter was running it, and uh, Jeff Grubb was in the group nice. and uh, and uh, John Ratliff, who is an editor at tsr and and wizards of the coast, uh, and uh, so, we had a, a lot of people who who were there in the day, or you know, some of them had written the things that we were we were playing. <laughs> so, um, and we had a we had a, a long discussion after our after we wrapped this up about whether uh, what we liked about it was that it it was this freeform nature, or that it, we were trying to recapture something that we'd had before, and. And if if it was the latter, can you ever do that? Or you can't go back and create that same experience right. for yourself because part of that experience was not having had it before. Right. right. Coming to this whole new thing. And as, uh, as you had said earlier, Tracy, that, you know, part of the – I think you said it. Sorry uh, if I'm wrong. Um, I, I didn't mean – I don't mean to, you know – not remember that you said it too, <laughs> but uh, it is you know going in and not knowing what you what you need to design It's the first time through. You think you've thought of everything, and it's not until you play it that you find out right. that oh my god, we need rules for something like grappling, and that starts forty years of hell. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, well, like because last and we've had a game last night, and I've been playing. I I'm playing next but I'm doing very freestyle and bringing in stuff I've uh seen from Forth and from other games in in general and like one of the things the one of the players decided to do was they were capturing this big huge rock bird um mm. and they had it in a net and one of them wanted to jump on top of it and and ride it a little bit and and try to stab it and like there's no rules for that right now right right <laughs> And uh, so I I basically, for most of what they were doing, was just using skill challenge framework from 4E, Mm -hmm. figuring that as long as they had a certain number of successes, that way no one failure would would make them, would do something terrible to them, and then make them not willing to do these crazy awesome things in the game anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what I did. And then every time they did fail, instead of making it a real failure and, like, I, I would give them a chance to make up for it. Like, okay, so you see your guy, your friend almost tum, tumble off the cliff. What do you do? And that's I get that a lot more from uh, games like Leverage or mm-hmm. right and stuff like that. And and they seem to really like it. And it was fun that I was able to just pull that in, and there wasn't that expectation set that this was a game of uh, advanced preparation, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and figuring out every every die roll mm-hmm. was was uh was leading up to something small.
2: Right. Right. Well, but oh. then there are other people who like old school where you don't you don't do what you did at all. You just let the chips fall where they may and your characters die. Right. And well, people just they just dying all the time, just make up another character cuz it only takes 8 minutes and go back again. <laughs> well and
0: that, and that brings up I mean when I think old school I think of basically three things. One of them is a a higher degree of randomness. You know, a lot more random encounters and wandering the the wilderness and that kind of stuff. Um, A higher degree of lethality. And basically, I think a lot of people that are trying to capture an old school feel are really just trying to capture recapture their own youth. You know. Um, just trying to re- re-experience what what it was like but, when they were kids. But a kid. so
2: many of these people, and that's a, that's what's amazing to me about the old school movement is how many people in it are are young players mm-hmm. or relatively young players. Or I you know, certainly know people who have come in and their first experiences have been in the the old school movement. And sure. even that, I look at someone like Eric Mona, who's you know the publisher at at Paizo, and he came in as as a Greyhawk hawk. Uh, uh, grognard, mm-hmm. but he was 16 years old, right? That He, he came in and that was his, his experience was through the old products and through... There wasn't an, uh, an old school back then, but if there was, he totally would have been into it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it's this mix of... I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. It's a mix of people who are trying to recapture their original experience and then people who this is their first experience and and because no one is sitting there and and introducing it to them through, uh, through a a more structured, a, a more fully structured, complete in, uh, environment of a game, uh, or they had that introduction and didn't like it, mm-hmm. that they they come in and now this is their uh, their baseline.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So should we start getting some more specific sort of advice rather than the, the – the, I, I feel like we're pretty high-minded philosophical discussion so far. <laughs> um, if, if I'm a DM and I want to make my game feel more old school and yet still be fun. Right. How do I do that? Uh- um, Are there things I should do before the game? Are there things I should do during the game? How do I sort of set things up to capture that old school feel?
2: Well, may, maybe this this is beyond the scope of what you're you're asking. But the first thing you want to do is talk to your players about it, mm-hmm. because like I say, you, well, you've got to decide what what your version of old school is, and make sure that they're on the same page with you. Because, like we were saying earlier, that you say that phrase to. To eight different people and you'll probably get a minimum of six different opinions of what it should be and possibly as many as 13 right um yeah so uh i think setting expectations at your table for for what it's going to be and you know here here's a uh, a thing that i think uh gets lost when a lot of people think about it um we we're talking about the fact that Old school, when when we were living, it was there was nothing, and and stuff got released as it went along. I mean, the game changed a lot in the middle, but we we just kept playing, and so mm-hmm. uh, being willing to to go and try different things and and let your game continue to to morph over time till you find the combinations of rules that work best for you and your group.
0: Although I think, and, and that's where you go back to your original advice, where I think you need to make sure that you have that conversation with your players before that happens.
2: Um, right. Especially yeah.
0: if your players are used to a fourth edition game, for example, where there are very specific rules and they're used to sort of having a, a complete, a more or less complete rule set at the get go, and, and playing everything sort of rules as written, um,
2: that's not necessarily the old school style, is it? Uh, n- n- no. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird because you did play the rules as written. It's just the rules didn't cover a a lot. Right. And, and, well, but and as you pointed out, so,
0: and sometimes the rules changed. You know, a new Dragon right. magazine came out, and there was a new rule, or this. You know, the Wilderness Survival Handbook came out, and suddenly there's this thing that you weren't using before, but hey, that could work, and you start doing that.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, like, and one of the reasons, for instance, that I didn't want to, I was trying not to kill any characters during the game, was like, we had we had spent a lot of time uh, building up the world together, uh, and we hadn't mm-hmm. necessarily agreed on all those rules yet, and they didn't have an but they didn't have enough of the rest of the world where they easily could just bring in another character. So I'm hoping like I'm adding what I'm doing is I'm adding a whole cast of characters that are around them so that if at any time later when lethality becomes more of an issue, they could just pick up one of those characters and then bring it in.
2: Right. So here's here's an interesting thing that um it took me a long time to figure this out. Uh, when, when really old school D&D is not about a group of four or five characters it's about a a party of 15 to 20 characters right and the four or five characters that are out front are are the are the the main characters they're, they're the pcs but uh but you know D back in it, it's it's earlier format and D as gary kind of envisioned what was going on was it it, it actually was a a party right I mean, if you go back, the, the very first D&D product I ever owned was the uh, uh, official Dungeons & Dragons coloring album, um, which was a coloring book for grown-ups.
0: Yeah, where's, and, the, where's uh, the new version of that? I,
2: you know, I, I've been trying to get a new version of that for, I, I don't know, years because I want to write and draw it. If, I say, if only we knew an artist that could put that together. I know. That had connections at Wizards. <laughs> if only we could find someone at Wizards who didn't laugh every time that was mentioned. Uh, no, in fact, no, a lot of people in R&D actually have uh, uh, now, i had conversations with them about it, uh, have very strong positive memories of that, uh, whether or not they can convince you know the business team that it's worthwhile to start putting that out and if they can find somewhere to sell it, that's, well, those I'll, are other matters.
0: I'll buy two copies, one for each of my kids.
2: Okay, sweet, done. I'm working on it right now. Awesome. <laughs> um but if you go back and look at that uh it it's got a uh basically a, a roughly short story by gary in it that goes along and tells what's going on but you see this large group of of characters going through it and they're just dying and in the end you know about eight of them get out with a whole bunch of treasure and uh i i Despite the fact that that was my first product, it took me a very long time to realize uh, that that actually did translate to what it was that uh, that Gary's vision... It, that Gary's early vision had been about what was going on in this game. Right. Which explains the lethality. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, it, it also... To me, it's like you have to th- you have to think of it differently. When I play a lot of video games where it's the my character going through a quote unquote RPG, uh, if I die and don't have some sort of resurrect, like that's the end of the story, right? I have to start over again or or something like that, are good as save points and stuff. But in a D D and game, the story still continues. It's just that that one character is no longer there, and it, it's a, to me it's a different mindset, a, a way of thinking. Like you haven't you haven't lost anything by having your character die. You just created a new branch in the story.
2: Right, right. Yeah. Well, as long as there's someone there to pick up pick up the reins at that moment.
0: Right. Yeah. Although, yeah. although I I would say that, that the concept of the high lethality is probably my least favorite thing about old school. Can I still have an old school feeling game without that level of lethality?
2: I, I would say yes, but again, that's why you're having the discussion ahead of time because right. certainly yeah. none of the games that I played, one of the reasons it took me so many years to figure that out, was none of the games I played actually functioned like that. Sure. Right. In fact, the very first games I played almost were, were uh, one on In fact, the first ones at camp were one-on-one. had me mm-hmm. and a dungeon master. Um, and then the other games, the next few games I played, were also small groups of players. So we, uh, you know, we were not playing that at all. And so we We went to great lengths to make sure that our characters survived we It felt very felt very modern. We're looking at it now mm-hmm. right
0: so how do I do that then if i if I don't want to have the high lethality, what kind of things can I put into my game to make it feel more old school? We've talked about you know we need to communicate, but what exactly are we communicating? what different things are we are we talking about doing or not doing that actually make it feel old school? Let's get down to the
2: nuts and bolts um so I think that in any of the modern iterations of D and d and most of the other games, there are many different there are lots of different rules that that covered uh, different things. you've got you know you're you're not just you' you're making X number of different skill checks or you've got saves and you've got ability scores. so I think you want to cut that down to as few resolution uh, a few uh, the smallest number of of uh numerics to be use in resolution as possible.
0: Okay. So try to try to cut the system down itself. Maybe yeah. how yeah. how's so, I mean, the system uh, and get rid of get rid of skills and all that kind of stuff and just use ability checks.
2: Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, and say if you look at, at uh at what's going on with DND Next, it's a, a good example that uh of how they are they're doing that. They're they're reducing the number of of uh, effective numerics that you have to work with now. Skills are still there, but they're not things on their own. They're, they they cease being uh, uh, something that you you develop the way you did in third edition or or in a uh, GURPS or, or or other systems that have advanced uh, you know complicated skill systems. They're they are static, relatively uh, small uh, modifiers to to what you've got on on your your core numerics um, and the so the downside of that and is it you want you lose uh, mechanical differentiation between the characters it's, it becomes harder to to say my character is different because he's better at using a rope than your character is you know if we're both skilled at using rope then we're both skilled at using rope we have both have a, a 16 dexterity and that skill we're the same no matter what that's just how it's going to be um, and the difference then has to be more esoteric. Yeah. Right. Um,
1: uh, and I think
2: that, that that kind of, that really, I think, uh, for me, thematically covers what most of the, the, the things are. You are can take a lot of, of things that are right now covered by actual game mechanics and make them uh, ephemeral. They're just going to be things that exist in your mind but are not effective on. On the paper that, that your characters are going to be whittled down to the smallest number of defining points and and you're going to run from there.
0: And it sounds like – and yeah. we're getting a little bit into the, into some player advice here too, I think. Um, but it sounds like maybe some of this is a mentality. Of mm-hmm. Don't think about what your character can mechanically do. Think about what your character would do and then figure right. out the mechanics. You know? right. And even if that means you keep the whole system and you have the complex skills and all that, you can still sort of approach things from that mentality. And that leans you closer to that sort of improvisational uh, feel that, that people seem to like these days from, from what they call old school gaming.
2: Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. And in fact, I mean, again, if we take take half a step back to the, the middle ground between new new gaming and at old school, that's that path comes from you know, people wanted to to be clearer about what was true. You know, what defined their characters, and then suddenly oh, yeah. the numbers were more important than the ideas. Oh
0: yeah. I, so, yeah, I had many many arguments in high school with my DM about well, I thought it was like this, and you thought it was like this, and now we're going to spend an hour debating and discussing <laughs> the the physics of the game world to figure right. out what could and could not be possible. I mean, we wasted hours and hours doing that, right? It was fun, wasn't it? Sometimes it was fun and sometimes it was a, it was a cause of strained relationships and <laughs>
1: now, um, one of the other things I was wondering is uh bringing more mundane items back in to to help with that too with the feel. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but that's one thing I've been trying to do is just make just make things important, like what they have and mm-hmm. what's in the environment and
0: yeah and I sort of feel like um that came along with fourth edition- uh, the 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 phasing out of that concept sort of came along with fourth edition and the necessity for magic items to to balance the game when magic items felt more wondrous then the non magic items could also also felt more useful does that make sense
1: yeah
2: i think so yeah yeah i uh, I'm thinking about that <laughs> okay <laughs> um
1: well, because I, I know... Uh, I forget how to pronounce his name. It's like uh, Chicago Wiz or something like that. Uh, he was on Twitter for a while, and one of the things he talked about, he was running a game with his wife, and he really liked how she had... Because it was a one-on-one game, and she had to go up against all these skeletons or something, so she spent... like a, Her character spent a week in town building this specialized, uh, huge sling that would... Uh, could knock over the skeletons on the other side of the bridge before she got over there or else they would just, uh, overwhelm her or something like that. And I I just thought that was cool.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of shortcuts that have, have grown into gaming into the, Mm -hmm. the, the game, the, the D and D player mentality based off, um, the, the fact that beginning with third edition, uh, with the growth of the internet and the, the, Pushing forward of of the game designers stepping front and saying this is what we were thinking and the, the company being more uh, public about what they what they expected in air quotes the the uh, game to be played like or or why things were done the way they were that suddenly uh, um, seeing behind the curtain just means that you you know which gears are turning and so you stop. You stop applying all the other stuff. It, it, it was mysterious. You didn't know. You're oh, well, I'm going to try this thing because <laughs> you, you didn't know what, how that engine was working. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, 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 if I look under my hood of my car, to, to change metaphors a little, I don't know what to do. So I'm not going to worry about any of it. I'm just going to think about what I want to do with my car and what I think my car can do. On the other hand, if I know how the engine works and I have the right tools and my car can't do something, but I know that if I tighten these screws and add on this aftermarket product, it can. Well, I'm not going to worry about, about that mystery anymore. I'm just going to change the car so it does what I want it to do. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And, there's, and there's advantages to both, right? Yeah. So one of the other elements that, that I oftentimes consider when I'm thinking about old school gaming is randomness. Um, random magic items random encounters um you know random effects for magical traps or wands of wonder and all that kind of stuff that that has Mm. sort of been mitigated over time uh and taken out of sort of modern sensibilities of game design um how how do we feel about randomness as an element of capturing an old school feel i
2: don't know about you but uh uh so i think there's 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 two things that that kind of get blended together a lot, and one is old school game design, and one is old school adventure design. Mm-hmm. And I think that by m- most of what you brought up, question there is a matter of old school adventure design. And you can you can play that kind of game with any era of of mechanics, because what you're talking about is the control over over what's going to be happening in the world, not what's going to be happening in in the player's realm.
0: Okay. I think that's fair. Although some of it, I mean, is, is built into the game, you know, certain magic items or whatever that have, uh, random effects, but yeah, most of right. it, most of right. it, I think you're right is, is adventure design.
2: Uh, but you know, we, we, you can, you just, uh, clip those out. I, the magic items for me, uh, Except to the point where, as you pointed out with fourth edition, where the game just flat out told you you need to have this this much level, yeah. your your magic items must be this tall for you to play this adventure. <laughs> um, they've always been uh, something that really was a, a, a spice that you, you you put into taste. Um, so my games left most of those random stuff out from the beginning because the. The players just didn't like it,
1: mm-hmm. right. I,
2: but then I, I've certainly played with other groups who loved it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know one of the things that's happened so far in my in my next game is uh, the players like, when are we gonna get to a, a real combat? Because they're used to more even third and fourth edition mm-hmm. designed combats. like where mm-hmm. where things are. And so far, it's been more reaction to the story that's going on, and and mm-hmm. it hasn't had that same feel yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been thinking that coming up with a bunch of quote-unquote random encounters and then pulling in the one either by using a a die roll or just saying, hey, this makes sense here. I'm going to pick this one mm-hmm. uh, might, might help a little bit with that too.
0: Yeah, see, and, and randomness is, is – I have a, a love-hate relationship with randomness. I hate random encounters. Right. I love randomness, random effects, you know. Um, I love the Wand of Wonder. I love when, you know, in this dungeon, the party has to walk through seven arches and every arch does some random things to them. You know, one of them turns, right. the, turns them a different color and one of them changes their gender and what all, you know, all that kind of crazy stuff. That kind of stuff is really fun for me and it grabs that sense of nostalgia for me from back in my second edition days. Mm-hmm. Um, right. but, but as a DM, I really hate uh, wandering monsters and all that because. I've got a story to tell and why am I wasting my time on something that's not helping me tell that story?
1: Well, and that's and that's a big dividing line too in the old school community is between uh, whether or not you're telling a story or if you're doing more of a sandbox uh, adventure where the story is coming out of what the players do.
0: Well, but even if even if it's a sandbox story, I mean, th- and this is my philosophy obviously. No, no, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that these other people are wrong, but my philosophy is even if, if we're telling even if it's a sandbox style story, we're still telling a story together and a random encounter doesn't necessarily help tell that story. Yeah. The,
1: I, I, yeah. I mean, it, I think it, again, tell, it depends on what story you're trying to tell, but yeah.
0: I, I, I Somebody, the first time I, somebody blew my mind with the idea of getting rid of random encounters back when I was in, I think high school or whatever, said, you know, where's the last time you read a, a novel and there was a random encounter? like it, it doesn't happen the closest i could come up with is the trolls in the hobbit
1: yeah well and, and that's what i mean though is like you can the one way to look at it is like the random encounters are, are random and, and uh because they're not driving the story you're trying to tell sure. and then the other way would be to say like oh you've come across these trolls why are they here in your story mm-hmm. and then and building your story that way no and i, I get that yeah. I, I
0: think that's a that's a that's a that's a style of DMing and of role playing that I wouldn't recommend to novice players because that's harder to do and to make yes. and to make
2: those encounters matter.
1: Right. Yeah. My so right. far. Al- oh, sorry. Alternatively,
2: though, it goes really well if you're if you don't have a story. Right. Uh huh. look at the early the early adventures were not story driven adventures. They were here's an excuse for you to be here. Now go just kill everything and take its stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. And then travel over here. And if that, you
1: wanted a story even within those they, these were just pieces for you, you you to use to create your own thing I think too right sorry it's
2: it's okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i but you know the whole thing i mean that's part of the other but you know everyone uh well not everyone but you know one of the, one of the uh um what's what's the positive word i'm looking for one of one of the charming things about first edition adventures or old school adventures is it's just random stuff in a dungeon and often doesn't make any sense right. why is this guy living next to that guy how have they not killed each other in 300 years which is, uh, because which... it's they, they they kind of live separately and they each are their own encounter and so random encounters fit into that uh, much more seamlessly because the whole world seems like it functions like that. Yeah. Right. Which is funny
0: because I think some people who will, in one breath, tell you that they they appreciate a more old school game, will also tell you in the next breath that that they feel like they like to play a game that's more realistic and story focused. Right. Yeah. And and that's not nece- Those two th- concepts are not necessarily congruent. You know. Right. Because the old school started with wargaming and tactical gaming. Um, you know, in much the same way that story games don't do. You know, you would have just monster closet after monster closet and can you overcome this challenge? And it wasn't about who you are and what your character is and and what he's all about.
1: Right.
2: Right.
0: But I think there's a, a, at the same time, I think there are lessons that we as gamers can learn from old school to make our new school games more fun. Some of it's just a matter of knowing what we like and what we don't like and, and taking mm-hmm. the elements we do. Yeah. yeah. Like my wand of wonder. I will always have a wonder wonder in my games. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Do we have any last thoughts on uh, old school gaming and how to bring it into our new school games?
1: Um. Well... We had talked earlier about a potential question of uh, how can a how can you get a player to buy into the old school feel, uh-huh. and and I think just continuing with what we were just saying here is just uh, also figure out what parts of it they like and and bring those out mm-hmm. and and don't necessarily feel like you have to buy the whole thing part and parcel. Like, right.
0: And I and I really think that the part of the trick for players is is like we talked about before, and and it's approaching from the mentality of. Don't figure out what you can mechanically do, but figure out what what your characters would like to do and then figure the mechanics out later
2: yeah yeah oddly enough and that's it's it's funny because that that's that ties old school to storytelling uh-huh. and what it does and, and you, you play an old school game by getting into the storytelling,
1: right. Yeah, and then I I know like a question a lot of people ask me a lot is that my players don't like the lethality. What can I do to to make them more comfortable with it? And I was like, sometimes you just can't. Like maybe maybe that's the thing you take off the table, but you leave everything else in, and and you get them to like then they'll be more comfortable doing the wacky crazy stuff, like walk into the random archway. Yeah, absolutely, and, and see if they turn blue or die. Or right. Not die, but get like their arms cut
2: off. I think you know. Go, actually, going back to the DMs, I would say one one of the things to to bear in mind is that you might just want to uh, start running encounters. And once it becomes clear that the monsters won't win, just let the PCs win. Right. You know, don't 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 uh, you know? Obviously, throw your hands up. Go well. I guess you beat them, but you know, secretly take whatever hit points those monsters have and drop them down to ten.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, just let let once, once the PCs have gotten to the point where they're going to win the encounter, let the encounter finish. Just, just call so it. then you can move on and have another one. That, yeah.
0: Now, that's starting to sound a little bit new school, so maybe we should wrap things up here,
2: huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's behind this. the... The thing is, what you're simulating is the old school stuff, because the fights didn't last so long. Oh,
0: that's and if true. You're gonna
2: If you're going to try to bring that old school feel to your new school game, if you don't want to rewrite the whole system, if you just kind of let... Let the the when the fight is clearly decided when it, it's clear that it's mm-hmm. going to be over, don't don't play out don't play out the rest of it. You're just new...
0: you're just sort of coming up with ways to capture sort of the faster pace feel of a game without right. without sacrificing the new mechanics.
2: Right. It also I mean it, it will it also will help with the uh, fighting against lethality because the new school games basically are, are built to be played out and it's presumed that that. That the PCs will be taking the attrition they'll take they'll need to take to finish the encounter. Whereas if you have this kind of shortcut method, this this invisible shortcut method, they're gonna finish with more resources than they would have otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. And it sort of ties into the um, I know a lot of people for a long time in fourth edition were giving the advice of you know cut the the monster's hit points down by twenty five percent but increase their their damage output you know and so you're increasing the threat but wrapping things up quicker to grab that that faster pace feel. Right.
1: Yeah, one of the things I did last night too is uh I cut the monsters hit points in half because they did basically a bunch of uh, skill challenge to uh capture like net the rock. So I was like, well, it slams into the wall and loses half its hit points.
2: Sure.
1: Right on. Yeah. As a reward. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now you're talking that's skill challenges cool. and that's definitely new school.
1: It's not. <laughs> it's been around for a while. Uh, we like to say uh, thank you to our sponsors, Continue Magazine and Noble Knight, as well as to our guest, Stan. Stan, Woo! where can people find you online? Oh,
2: people can find me online. My my main uh, site is stanex.com. That's stanne com. Uh, home of all things Stan. Uh, and, uh, supergeniusgames.com is where you can go to, to get started on finding out what's going on with the geniuses, uh, which is always a lot.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, go ahead.
1: You guys do like a lot of PDFs, one a week, is it something? Or something? Yeah, I was going
2: to say, we've, uh, we're, uh, we put out at least one PDF a week since November of 2009. We're right now having our, our, uh, annual, uh, 53% off for 50. 52. Why is it 53? It's supposed to be 52. I think it's 53, so you guys win. Woo-hoo. But it's, it's uh, 52 Woo-hoo. for 52. We got an extra we week have, this after, month, or this after year. After one year. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've got a whole lot of products. Uh, most of them are Pathfinder-oriented, uh, mm-hmm. but we've also got things for D20 Modern and Call of Cthulhu and Savage Worlds uh, and a couple of things that are uh, compatible with uh, uh, the world's most popular role-playing game. Um, and uh, uh, yeah so uh, check us
0: out right on and if people want to uh, get in contact with us you can email us at thetomeshow at gmail.com call the bizline at 919-BizTome that's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E check the show notes for links to all the things mentioned in this episode at thetomeshow.com
1: and that oh, is I
2: get one more plug yeah sure one more that, that's for my for, yeah this will be a quick one and it's for my kickstarter which I mentioned at the beginning again the, which I already little... have
0: in the show notes you're covered I baby.
2: know but I'm saying it so they can hear it they remember okay. to go look awesome that's I told you I'd be quick
1: very yeah, good no. uh, and that is episode 206 where I put on my parachute pants put on a biking hat Backwards, hiked up my leg warmers, and rolled some D20s while we brought some old school feeling to your games in this episode of Gato 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 I'm on the walk.